Let's pray. Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it is uh, Labor Day weekend. I'm so glad that you came out uh, to be a part of, of worship. And as we do that, my hope is this weekend, right, maybe you can have some time, then some gatherings, you can have a little fun, right, you can catch your breath a little bit um, as we celebrate and give thanks for all the, the labors uh, that do happen. But I'm going to ask you this question also, because on the other side of Labor Day is a new school year, so whether you are in kindergarten or any grade, students, are you ready to go back to school? Hey, Darren, I love it. You give me a head nod. Yes, right? that's awesome. Maybe that's where some of us are. Sometimes we might be more like this guy. Right? But I don't want to go back to school yet. You know? Um, you know, those things that maybe we don't quite feel ready. And so if you feel that way as well, however you feel, that's normal. And I want you to hear this, and it will be good. Um, visiting with teachers who've taught for decades, and they're good at their craft, and they're prepared. And maybe some of you would agree with this statement. They go, you get to this time of the year, and there's still there's this nervousness renewed in the stomach, <laughs> right? And they've done this several times. So if those folks, this is their craft, and they feel a little bit nervous, you're in good company, and it's okay if you're not feeling quite ready to head to school. And maybe there's other things that uh, you wanted to experience this summer that haven't all happened yet or things you wanted to have done before this time on the calendar and it's not there and you feel like you're getting rushed into the next day and you go, I'm not ready. Or for some of you, maybe it's not school at all or those things, but maybe you've been put into a new chapter of your life, a part of the story that you didn't want written, and here you are and you're saying, I'm not ready. Sometimes our imagination can run wild in an unhelpful way, thinking about all that can go wrong. In the midst of that, I want you to hear that promise. We've had a lot of baptisms lately. The promise of a God who claims you as his own and says, Child of God, I love you and I'm never going to let you go and I'm going to be with you even on the first day of school. And one of my favorite verses is Isaiah 43. It says, I've called you by name, you are mine, and when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And so if some of you today come with a little extra stress or anxiety, if nothing else, please hear this. <laughs> the promise that says right where you're at, God says, I love you, and I promise I'm going to be with you to see you through this. Um, if you need to sleep through the rest of the sermon, go ahead. I hope you don't. But I want you to hear that assurance, if nothing else, okay? And I think of that... Um, Madden McKean, one of our young folks, died uh, Memorial Day weekend. One of his sayings was, trust God even when it's hard. We're thankful in times like this of what we have in our Lord, a Lord who promises to be with us. Last week, we heard that story, and Pastor Ben shared with us that question, who is Jesus to you? And it's a great question, right? Who is this Jesus? And Peter responded to that, you are the Messiah or the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded to Peter, Yes, Peter, wonderful answer. You knocked it out of the park, right? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven, and you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. But then I think what's kind of interesting, after Peter gets an A, you know, yep, you are the Messiah, you're the Christ, then Jesus says, but don't go telling anybody yet. And I was thinking, why, why is that? 
And I think part of the reason is to say there's no way that Peter or any of us could fully understand or fully understood what it meant that Jesus was the Messiah. Like, what does that all entail? What does that all involve? And so as I share this, you know, we might not feel ready for whatever we're dealing with in life this week. Peter was not ready for the reality of suffering that goes with Jesus being the Messiah. And I think of that, it holds us in the scriptures, and from that time on, Jesus began to speak, to show, or began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And on the third day be raised. Now, I don't know if Peter could hear the part about being raised, but he definitely heard about her part about suffering and being killed. Think about that. When you hear something bad could happen to your friend, I think Peter's response makes a lot of sense. No, there's no way that can't ever happen to you. And did you hear those words that Kathy read for us? When Peter said, or Jesus tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. What does that mean? Refers to him no longer as this building block, but as a stumbling block. And I think in that, Peter isn't evil. Peter isn't dumb. But he doesn't want to see Jesus suffer. And the part that was hard to understand is that when the love of God and Jesus, one that keeps loving, forgiving, no matter what the world did to him, guess what? There is a collision that's going to happen that he can't help but go to the cross. So Peter's words are sort of tempting Jesus to avoid something that he needs to do. As hard as it is, as hard as it is for us to make sense, as the scriptures say, and it was necessary. It's a different way. We'll get into to about how we're called to live and about what Jesus is, the Messiah is. Um, having a gift of imagination is a wonderful thing in school and other places. And I want you to, to just think for a moment and later on, I'm going to ask you to stretch your imagination. But for starters, when it comes to, in life, what are people's popular thoughts about life at its best? And I've asked a few folks that this week, the words initially, more and better, show up a lot. Like if you're at school and you're having kind of a tough time, but you go, wow, that kid is pretty popular. So the thought of a better life might be, only if I was more popular. Or, wow, I look at social media and they go, these people go all these places and they do all these things, but I don't have the budget to do it. Maybe if I had more money. You get the idea, right? And as you'll know where this is going, Jesus says, no, I want you to imagine something greater. But that's often where we start in the short term. Boy, I'm going to go back to my class reunion and show how much more powerful and, you know, how much better shape I'm in and all these things. More and better. In Peter's day, power was something that was attracted to him. I don't want to bore you on this, but part of that history of Israel was they saw power in a difficult way. Israel was always getting beat up by somebody. You go back in history, it was the Assyrians would steamroll over them. Then it was the Babylonians. It was always somebody was the new bully on the block, and they would always take a beating. Here in Peter's day, it was Rome. Rome occupied, you know, that space. And not only that, but they taxed the heck out of folks like Peter to pay for the Roman army to be there. And they didn't want him there. So I think when Jesus says he's the Messiah, one popular thought for Peter and others was thinking, sweet, you can be like a warrior king like David, and you can come on in, right? And you can kick butt, and you can knock Rome out of there, and you can show Rome what it is 
to feel like what they've done to us all these years, right? Is that kind of appealing to get back at somebody? You ever hear that saying, the oppressed become the oppressors? Jesus wants something greater uh, for us. Think about that. Um, I've got some family and uh, some friends, excuse me, who live in South Africa. And I'm not an expert on South Africa, but how for years did 10% of the population control 90% of the population? There was a power aspect. There was a culture of violence. They go through a number of changes, but folks who've been growing up in that system, now there's folks getting killed out on their farms in different places because folks are stuck in that culture of violence. You know, maybe for a moment Israel could become the new power, but guess what? It would last for a while, then it's somebody else. It wouldn't break the cycle. It would just be a new chapter in this vicious cycle of violence. Jesus wants us, and for Peter, to imagine a whole different way of being. Not to be the new bully who's in power for a while, but a different way. Not to be one who is the most self-centered or can get whatever they want. Or not one who can cause other people the most suffering. But a different way by being one that leads with love and mercy and not violence. One that leads with forgiveness and not revenge or retribution or hate. And Jesus knows that the as he challenges the powers of that day, when he does his whole different thing of loving and forgiving and serving, guess what? He's changing the status quo and it won't be tolerated and he knows what's going to happen. As he lives this different way of loving and serving, unfortunately, it's going to bring him to the cross. And maybe it's not real surprising that Jesus gets killed. Remember way back after Christmas when he heard this story and I hate even remembering it? When King Herod was threatened, hearing this, this new king was born, what did Herod do? He sent out this decree that every child two years old and under would be killed. <laughs> so maybe it's not surprising that as Jesus lives out this ministry and as God to us in this whole different way, that ultimately he ended up on the cross. What is surprising and what makes a difference for you and for me every day and for all time, the surprise that God raised Jesus from the dead. That Jesus didn't give into the ways of the world but kept loving and forgiving and he was killed. But God raises him from the dead saying, that's how you're called to live, this way of Jesus, this way of showing love. This way of standing up and speaking up for others who are hurting or picked on or who are left out. This is the way of love and it will ultimately prevail. And I know as I tell you that, there's plenty of things that we look around today and we see plenty of places where violence wins at the moment, where self-centeredness wins at the moment, where treating people poorly seems to win at the moment. But Jesus reminds us ultimately, Jesus' way prevails. So we're called to live that way, knowing that ultimately love is greater than hate and life is greater than death. We are invited to live into a different way, and the language of that, you know, sounds very different, right? Jesus says, anyone who desires to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. I'm thinking, what does that all mean? For one, part of what that, that means it's not that you're called to hurt yourself, that's definitely not it. Or to cause suffering for yourself, that's definitely not it. 
but it's about living a different way. It's about trying to align ourselves with God, valuing relationships, loving God and loving people, living this different way that lives as community, that it's not just about us, that's focused on relationships. It's about seeing our lives and our gifts as a blessing to others, right? It's about greatness being about serving, right? Bearing with each other. It's all these different things. And the world might say that looks foolish, but our Lord who knows us and loves us reminds us that that indeed is where life is found. I think of this, I've had a chance, the privilege of being a pastor in three different churches and every one that's been a gift to be in. I served one place that had been through a lot of conflict and with that a lot of financial struggle and it came to a spot where um, the focus was what can we do for the institution to survive? And when that becomes the focus, <laughs> you're dead in the water. Um, just a little word to the wise, if you try to do a fundraiser in a Catholic town on Friday nights in Lent with chili and hot dogs, it doesn't go over all that well. Jesus calls us to imagine to live a whole different way. Awesome people. And when the focus became, what can we do to make sure that people in town are fed? What can we do for the sake of others? Life happened not only for the folks who were being served, but it happened for that congregation. Jesus calls us to this different way that's totally counterintuitive. It's not what we first imagine, but it's something different. It's something better. And it's indeed is where life is found. It's like in your friendships, like a marriage, what have you. We're tempted at times to say, well, what's in it for me? And I'm not going to budge a moment until you do something for me. We find where life happens is where people are serving each other. And when folks are all in for each other, that's what living is about. Right? It's not about being entertained, but life is about meaning and fulfillment. It's about being community. So the question I want you to think about and visit about this week is, what does, does a, a life that's well-lived, what does that look like? I mentioned before, sometimes our thoughts first go to more and better, right? Jesus reminds us it's better, it's more than all these materials. It's more than just better clothes, right? Uh, better popularity, power, money, all that. And it's more than just existing. It's about experiencing abundant life in the midst of all the things we can't control. I think of that in this past year. Uh, how many folks have died in this community? And as we live in a world where sometimes violence seems to win the day, where friends and family often die too soon, where folks are dying with cancer, in the midst of all those things that you deal with, how are we called to live? Where do you find life? Where do you find joy? And again, Jesus reminds us it's often something different than what we first imagined. As we think about that, I wanted to share, um, here's a, a video in a moment here from uh, it's Jim Velvano. I don't know if that name rings a bell. Jim Velvano died at age 47. Uh, he won a national championship in college basketball with North Carolina State. He was an announcer for a number of years. Um, he spoke at the ESPYs, and watch it on YouTube sometime, his speech. This is just 30 seconds, but I want this to kind of talk about what does it mean to live? And just to give you a little context, Jim Velvano died about six weeks after speaking these words uh, at the ESPYs. People say to me, how do you get through uh, life or, or each day is the same thing. To me, there are three things we all should do every day. We do this every day of our life. You're going to have, what a wonderful, number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. And number three is you should have your emotions moved 
to tears. Could be happiness or joy. But think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special. Where do you find life, right? In the midst of everything else, where we find joy, a well-lived life, is not often where the culture tells us. It's in this different way. I think of that in Jim Belvano's words, and as we look at your life and how you live this out, as we look back at saints in our lives who've died, and we hear about what was their life like, and you can almost pull this out of, of Romans 12 about how we're called to live as Christians, to live with compassion for others, to live with hope, to bear with one another, right? To focus on those relationships that matter with each other and with God, right? To be a people who are there, not with retribution, but with forgiveness. That we're there to be generous, not holding on to everything for ourselves. We try to make a difference for others, to make a difference for causes, right? We live as a people who are blessed to be a blessing. All these different things. I want to share or steal some uh, words from uh, uh, Pastor Kristen. She's talking about how we live and shared uh, something she'd heard about someone talking about living life on the offense. Sometimes we look around and folks aren't living like this way that Jesus calls us to. He says, don't wait, go and do it. But Pastor Kristen has shared a story of a man who was in grief and his mom had died uh, much sooner than obviously he was ready. And living with grief is a challenging thing, but he would go on the offensive, meaning instead of kind of waiting for things to unfold for him, he might go to a coffee shop. He would, I can't buy coffee for my mom, but I can buy coffee for those two ladies who are about her age and share a story and make a connection, right? To go on the offensive. And I look at you, many of you, as you live in grief while you're there caring and serving for others, and it is so inspiring. And please hear that that's not the expectation that you have to do all the things. But I think you're a good witness of this different way that Jesus calls us to, to go on the offense. As it says here, don't wait for other people to be loving, giving, compassionate, grateful, forgiving, generous, or friendly. Lead the way. Maybe for you this week, it's giving somebody a, a chan another chance who's disappointed us. Maybe it's forgiving someone who's wronged us instead of doing something even worse to them. Maybe it's being generous to share what we have to bring life to others instead of holding tightly onto it. It's going on the offense. This week, and maybe you don't feel quite ready to go to school, or maybe there's something else that you don't feel quite ready for. I think if you could hear Jesus' words for you, it would be this. If you say, yep, I'm not ready, I can't quite do it, I can't live this other way, Jesus says, you know, maybe you can't alone. But hear this promise, I am with you, and I will be with you, and I can do it through you. Today, just imagine it. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Farmington Lutheran Church, its ministries, and how to connect to this part of the body of Christ by going to farmingtonlutheran.com. Peace be with you.